Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Well, good afternoon. I hope you are doing spectacularly and that you had a wonderful, wonderful weekend. If you're a New Orleans Saints fan, well, you got a quarterback and uh, we'll see what he can do. But as of right here, right now, New Orleans Saints have got to be the favorite in the clubhouse for the NFC South as of Today, Monday, March 6th, the year 2023. That story and much, much more coming your way. Hoops, tourneys um, are running abundantly. And um, baseball in full swing, the NBA, all kinds of stuff to talk about. And we shall do so in the next two hours. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite. Spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons in the game studio, which is on the campus of Delta Media, where KLWB is housed, and that is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on KLCJ, 1041 in Lake Charles. Our hotline, the number, 337-706-0111, 706-0111. You can hear us around the world as we are streaming, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, they thought he was going to be a New York Jet. Saints wined and dined and did everything they could, and they came up with Derek Carr, who is uh, signing on the dotted line a four-year deal with a hundred million dollars guaranteed he gets 60 million upon signing and that's going to kind of help the saints in their salary cap move so um Derek carr becomes the saints starting quarterback wearing number four 150 million dollars is the four-year deal a hundred million in guaranteed money. Um, he gets seventy million in effectively guaranteed money, including sixty million upon signing the contract. According to a report, Carr will be the ninth highest paid quarterback in the NFL at thirty-seven point five million per season. Now, what can he do? Well, we shall see. We shall see. Um, all guarantee, uh, all trying to help the Saints and their salary cap, all trying to help and get him. So the Saints get Derek Carr instead of the Carolina Panthers, instead of the New York Jets. The Jets are all in on Aaron Rodgers. I think uh, Derek Carr saw the handwriting on the wall, and I think the Saints offer a little bit better situation in Carolina because of his relationship with, 
with head coach Dennis Allen. So good deal for him. We'll take you live to Pensacola, where the Raging Cajuns of Bob Marlin are one win away from dancing. Dancing at 6 o'clock tonight, they'll take on South Alabama, a team that they swept in the regular season, including the regular season finale in the Cajun Dome. A very happy as happy as he can be, Bob Marlin, about playing South Alabama for the third time this year. Yeah, we're, we're, we're on the game. We were there tonight, and all the coaches were there. And we'll have a good report uh, when we get back and eat here at the hotel. So looking forward to it. South, we just played them a week ago Friday and uh, in, a, in a really good ball game. And watching their tape, I think they'd won maybe eight of nine coming in we talked about and. And now they've won a couple more. So, well, they played three. This will be their fourth game. Uh, and, you know, we expect a, a game like tonight. I mean, it's going to be an exciting game, and we're looking forward to the competition. South Alabama is Cinderella. They beat number one seed Marshall. They beat a number four seed. They are dancing. They, they're just playing with everything to gain and absolutely nothing to lose. The pressure's on the Raging Cajuns, who have – earmark this entire season to get back to this point which is where they were a year ago before they lost the conference championship game the cajuns um looking to avenge that will go out to pensacola raymond pars the third is there he's going to join our show and give us a a report on that the lsu women's basketball team had a 17 point lead against uh the tennessee lady volunteers and then they just got out toughed and and just got beaten, got beaten, 69-67. The Lady Tigers are now 28-2 overall, ranked fifth in the country, and all of a sudden there are more questions than answers about LSU. One of the big determining factors for Tennessee to get back in the game, played a zone, and LSU could not shoot it, and they lost their aggressiveness. They lost their toughness. Kim Mulkey talking about, going up against Tennessee's zone. Well, it was very obvious they couldn't guard us in man. We just came out the gate smoking. So they go to a zone. It's not like we haven't seen zone this year. It was almost like we were just tired. No one flashed. No one moved. No one screened the zone. We had no dribble penetration to make two take you. We had no ball reversal. Nothing. We just relied on shot clock winding down, set a pick, jack a shot up. Was that fatigued? I don't know. But, you know, we, we, we attack zones every day in practice. Um, and it affected us. Uh, their press did not affect us. Their zone affected us. And uh, we'll continue as we prepare for the playoffs to attack zones. They're going to see zones an awful lot. LSU will be either a two seed. They may fall to a three seed in the NCAA tournament. They will play their first two games. If there are two, they will uh, play them at home, either March 17th and 19th or March 18th and the 20th. Uh, We'll find out. This upcoming Sunday, when the NCAA field is revealed, 
Um, What do you gain from LSU baseball taking on Butler, Central Connecticut State? You you gain absolutely nothing other than the fact that it's going to build up your confidence. Um, They open up with a 12-2 win over Butler, then a 26-4 win, then a 13-zip run rule victory over Central Connecticut State, and they'll do it again uh, this evening and their fourth game in four days. So 6.30 and a rematch with the Butler Bulldogs. Thatcher Hurd expected to get the start on the mound for LSU. Everything LSU did, everything looked good. They're, They're hitting the ball. They're feeling it. They're pitching it. But the competition is certainly, certainly far from um, anything. But pitching has been outstanding. Through the last three games, LSU starters have thrown a combined 15 and a third innings, allowing just one run on seven hits with 23 strikeouts and only three walks. So that very, very impressive. The 15th ranked LSU softball team has also been very red hot. Beth Tarina's Tigers crushed Cal Poly in a 12-4 run rule win thanks to a 10-run fourth inning. Um, they're 20 and one for the season. They travel to Columbia, South Carolina to open SEC play against South Carolina this coming Saturday, March the 11th. So um, things going well along that front on the football front of things. One day after receiving an LSU offer defensive man, Ahmad bro of Ruston high committed to LSU. Uh, one of the top prospects in Louisiana for the class of 2024. He had been committed to Duke since January, but decommitted and flipped to LSU after a visit with coach Kelly and company this weekend, he held offers from Ole Miss, Missouri, Tulane, Duke, as well. So um, it's always good when you can get the homegrown talent. So LSU's 24 recruiting class now contains 10 commitments. And because of that number, they're ranked number two in the nation. Um, So there you go. That uh, according to 247 Sports. So we shall see. All right, we have a busy, busy day planned for you and yours. We'll head to Pensacola. Uh, Raymond Parsh III will give us a preview of tonight's Sunbelt Conference championship game between the Raging Cajuns and South Alabama. Glenn West will join us. We'll talk all things LSU. Shelby Mast in our number two, Shelby's bracket, WAG, uh, will tell us who the number one seed in the country is. A lot of teams gotten beat. Alabama gets beat. Kansas gets beat. Um, we'll see all about that. Al Salas will join us with his thoughts about Derek Carr to the Saints, and then Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious podcast will join us as well. That's the lineup. We'll take our first time out and then head over I-10 East to Pensacola. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's crawfish time in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving you a chance to win everything you need to throw the ultimate crawfish boil party. It's the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway. Cook up thy St. Landry lumber, Cody's crawfish, and iron horse sales and service. Go register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, a burner, a paddle, ice chest, tumblers of chairs, oh my, and two giant sacks of live crawfish. Plus, we're throwing in a pair of Astro tickets. My goodness. (laughs) 
What a giveaway. Enter now. It's the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back 17 minutes after the hour and a little less than uh, four hours. Uh, the Raging Cajuns will try and come full circle and uh, um, chase away the ghosts of a year ago when they got to the conference championship tournament final and lost tonight they have a chance to do that and uh, by beating south alabama which will automatically get them into the ncaa tournament thrilled to have uh, joining us in pensacola to cover tonight's game he hosts the morning show rp3 and company raymond parsh the third good afternoon man and thanks for thanks for helping us out today my friend what's up Glad to help out, brother. Of course, you know, I get a chance to come over here. It's beautiful weather. Get to spend some time in Pensacola and uh, spend all my time inside a basketball arena. But, you know, I can't complain, man. I can't complain. It's a great time. Cajuns have a chance to get back to the tournament for the first time since 2014. So it's going to be a heck of a ball game tonight, brother. Uh, they've already swept South Alabama. So a lot of people say it's so hard to be the team the third time. If you're just the better team, you're the better team. And so far during the tournament, the Cajuns, boy, one, they haven't turned the ball over very much. And number two, they've never had to come from behind. They've always been that horse that got away to the, to the early lead and just kept on going. So, um, I'm sure that's part of the plan. You don't turn it over. And if you rebound, like you're capable of, I don't know how South Alabama beat you well things got a little dicey last night right where that those turnovers tried to to bite them and Bob Marlin the longtime Raging Cajun head coach talked about it afterwards you know they had 13 turnovers in last night's game and Texas State was able to rally and kind of muddy up the game like they like to do Jory that's their style of play and they were able to score 20 points off those 13 turnovers and that allowed them to come back into the ball game and make it a single possession game late if it wasn't for Jordan Brown's little kiss off the glass and a couple of free throws by Seamus Holtz, we could be having a different discussion today. So turnovers are key. What does favor the Cajuns tonight against the Jaguars is that, unlike facing the Bobcats, who are a big physical team, they put a lot of bodies down there, got a lot of guys that like to do the, the dirty work, South Alabama's not that physical of a ball club, Jordy. They prefer to shoot the three ball. They got five guys on their team that have made 32 three-pointers at least. Owen White's their big sharpshooter, more than 73 pointers And this is a team that averages eight threes a game. And look, they've won eight of their last nine. They're one of the hottest teams in the conference. The lone loss, of course, came to the Raging Cajuns. And in that game, they only made four three-pointers. And every other game during that stretch, they've made at least eight, sometimes 10, 13. So for the Cajuns, Kentrell Garnett, Greg Williams Jr., those are the guys, the perimeter guys. They're going to have to do their job, lock down South Alabama shooters, frustrate them, and make this that type of game they want to play, which is a more physical game, pound the boards, have Jordan Brown, have Terrence Lewis the second, get, get those rebounds and get those down those points down low. 
Raymond Parse III with us. Uh, you mentioned how hot uh, South Alabama is. They beat the ninth seed App State in the tournament. Then they came back and shocked Southern Miss, the number one seed. Then they beat the number four seed, uh, James Madison. Uh, so they, they're just playing with house money, as the old cliche goes. They got everything to gain, absolutely nothing to lose. I think all the pressure is on the Raging Cajuns because they're the higher seed. This is what their season's been geared toward. Um, and so... Um, how do you how do you decipher how this team is is feeling and and do they do you sense some pressure on them for tonight? Actually, oddly enough, I don't. I, I was expecting that, but this is a veteran group who's been playing for a couple of years, Jordy, and you yeah. know that's you know very rare in today's basketball and in today's college athletics with the transfer portal. But a lot of these guys, you know, they were here last year when they lost in the title game, and they were here two years earlier when they made the run to the semi. So they kind of been building towards this, right? They were the preseason team, had the preseason player of the year. The expectations have been this. But when you talk to them, and we've done this for a couple of weeks now and did it here in Pensacola at the tournament, they're very confident, not cocky, you know, not false bravado or anything like that. They're just very confident, very businesslike, and I think that stems from Bob Marlin and the type of, you know, what he expects, right, with his team. And he's got a bunch of seniors. He's got a bunch of upperclassmen, and they know they're supposed to win, right? And they know what it's going to take to win, and they came close last year and fell short, and they know they're going to be taking on a very good South Alabama team that has nothing to lose. So they understand that they're going to have to step their game up. What I will say to this is I think, Jordy, and you're a former star college athlete yourself, being tested the way they were last night, where they had a double-digit lead just evaporate in front of them, and it was gut-check time, and their leaders and their veteran guys stepped up and made plays to pull out a hard-fought win, I think that actually helps them heading into tonight's game. I think that kind of sharpens them, refocuses them a little bit with the title on the line tonight. I agree with you. I also agree because uh, I've been in this situation where in a tournament, uh, we, we we play two games. We're playing our third game in three days, and we're playing against a team that's now playing their fourth game in four days. I think if the Cajuns can put some pressure on them early, get up and down the floor, there's a lot of fatigue does enter into play. The one thing maybe in favor of the Jags, uh, Mobile's only about an hour away from the Pensacola Bay Center, so maybe maybe they'll have a pro Jags crowd tonight. Uh, that's to be expected. When they played Southern Miss, obviously the other team that's you know closest to the Pensacola Bay Center, uh, that was the biggest crowd of the tournament. When yeah. those two teams faced off, South Alabama fans were were came out in a, in a big way. Now look, there's you know some Cajun fans here you know, as well, and they're representing, but not as many as South Alabama, the quick drive for Mobile, go through the tunnel, right. go over the bay, you're here. Nice. That's going to play a role in this. Um, make no mistake about it. And, you know, that could give the Jags a bit of a, you know, a boost, so to speak, especially if there's a lull in the game and they need it. But, yeah, the attendance, uh, South Alabama came uh, came out and represented, Southern Miss did. Unfortunately, they got bounced early, and Marshall, probably had more fans than any other team, and they, of course, got eliminated early as well. So it should be a very pro-South Alabama crowd tonight inside the Bay Center. 
Jordan Brown has to get his numbers. Who else is key for for uh, the Raging Cajuns tonight that has to to put up numbers and and contribute in that fashion? Oh, that's easy for me. It, it, it's it, it's Terrence Lewis the second. He's okay. and Jordy. Look, he's not the biggest guy, the strongest guy, the fastest guy, but he is a basketball player. He does all the little things Bob Marlin needs. So when that team needs a key rebound, he's the one that gets it. When they need a key pass, he's the one that gets it. Key defensive stop, he gets it. He does all the little things. He flies under the radar. You could argue he's been the best Cajuns player in the previous two games here at the tournament. Even though Jordan Brown gets all the headlines, and rightfully so. you know He's an NBA draft prospect and the preseason player of the year. Terrence Lewis II, if he can get near his double-double, 12 points, 8, 9, 10 rebounds, I think that's going to set them up great. I would also say kind of a another option. Kentrell Garnett, you know, he uh, can shoot the three ball. He is able to do that, and I think they're going to need him to do that. Plus, he is a great perimeter defender. He locked up Texas State's three-point shooting specialist, held him to zero points in the first half last night. He's going to need another fine performance like that. Good two-way player for Bob Marlin's team. So those would be the two guys that really stand out to me that need to step up and help out Jordan Brown tonight if they want to win. What do you think this would a win tonight would mean for Bob Marlin? It would prove all the naysayers wrong. Yeah. And, and, and look, and I like Bob, and I think he's done a very nice job there. He wins consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been a while since they've been to the NCAA tournament, right? It's been nine years. Yeah. 2014 was a long time ago when Elford Payton suited up for the Raging Cajun. So I think it would prove that, you know, he – is doing it the right way, that his way is working, and plus he finally gets that other elusive NCAA tournament appearance. You know, he had a couple at Sam Houston State, but it's different, Jordy, when you're in the Southland Conference compared to the Sun Belt. So I think it would be validation. I think it would be another feather in his cap, and I think a lot of the naysayers would have to be quiet if he takes this team to the tournament for a second time. And to be perfectly honest, I was one of those naysayers, and I would be thrilled to, for him to win it and get into the tournament. That would be fantastic. Vegas thinks it's going to be a close game. Cajuns favored by a point and a half. Uh, that kind of surprises me. No, I, you know, look, it, it boils down to South Alabama being the hottest team in the conference. Yeah. So, They've won eight and nine. There hasn't been a team that's played better basketball, and their lone loss just happens to be to the Raging Cajuns. So I do think this is a coin flip game, Jordy, but look, I agree with you. They have the advantage the Cajuns do down low in the post. You know, big fellas and big boy basketball still matters. I know it's a guard game now, but when you have that advantage, you take it, you know, you seize it. I think they have that, and if they can just play good defense on South Alabama's three-point shooters, I think they're going to do enough to get the win and get to the conference, uh, win the conference tournament for the first time since 2014. Do not be coming back to Lafayette with a big suntan or a sunburn because then we're all going to know. So you better you better put some makeup on just in case. <laughs> yeah, just in I case. appreciate that, brother. Thank you for that tip, my friend. I'll tell you all about it, man. RP, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. Enjoy your time down there. We're all pulling for the Cajuns. Tell Bob uh, good luck, and um, we'll do it again soon. Maybe, maybe after a win, we'll get you back on. We'll see. We'll do, brother. Thank you, man. That's Raymond Parse the third in Pensacola for tonight's Sun Belt Conference Championship 
tournament matchup between the Raging Cajuns and South Alabama. To the winner, a ticket to the NCAA tournament. How sweet it would be. We appreciate that, RP3. We'll take a time out here when we come back. LSU baseball, softball, men's basketball, ugh, women's basketball. A lot to talk about with Glenn West next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We are brought to you each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, dude, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon is in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing. By DC's Little Capital Exxon, everything under the sun inside their shop a court and a, and alongside a true soul food deli home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted and by cajun chef oh turn up the taste with cajun chef hot sauce every day is a chamber of commerce kind of day when you're listening to the jordy holberg show this is the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros in southwest louisiana 33 minutes after the hour. It's a Monday. We welcome in our one of our favorite guests because he talks all things LSU. Go to four sevens. Glenn West. Hello, Mr. West. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Jordy. How are you? Terrific. All right, where do we start? We got so much we can talk about, so many avenues we can go down. Basketball was not good for men and women. Baseball, well, let's start with that. Men lead by 12, 15 or so minutes to go, and they can't throw the ball in the ocean. And another road loss to go winless on the road in SEC play. Sum it up for me. Yeah, I mean, uh, really just a tale of two halves there for LSU. I mean, for most of the first half, they were, um, you know, executing offensively. They were getting to the rim with pretty much with, with ease and getting to the free throw line, um, you know, really scoring the ball at a high level and 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 even got up by as many as 12 in that game. Um, and, you know, then they just fell apart. Um, you know, uh, what what they did essentially was they, they went to a full court press and LSU just had no response to Florida's full court press. They broke it a couple times. They missed a couple easy bunnies, um, you know, right around the rim. Um, and then, you know, Florida used that momentum and they absolutely got red hot in the last, you know, 15 minutes of that game. They scored 47 points over the final 14 or 15 minutes of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and really just, uh, you know, was a mismatch for, for LSU the rest of the way. They just couldn't score the ball, couldn't get into their sets on the half court and couldn't get K.J. Williams involved because he was in foul trouble for most of the second half. Um, so, I mean, it's just, you know, it's kind of what this team has been. They've been a turnover-prone team that can't score. And when they really get into the thick of it down the stretch, you just can't rely on them to, to get it done. Uh, they open up Southeastern Conference play in the in unglorious Wednesday night doubleheader that nobody cares about, nobody wants to. But they play against Georgia. I mean, certainly a winnable game. And if they win that, they play against Vanderbilt. And that's a team they beat earlier in the season. So, I mean, it's not without possibilities, right? It's not without. 
Yeah, I mean, you're looking for some, you know, momentum here, all right? I mean, you, you get a couple wins in the tournament. You might feel a little bit better about yourself heading out of the season. Um, yeah. I don't think anybody is naive enough to think LSU is going to go all the way <laughs> through this thing uh, and, and make the tournament appearance. But, um, you know, if you if you get a good win against Georgia, I mean, the one thing that Georgia does really well is get to the rim, get to the foul line. Uh, if you're able to protect the rim, um, you know, keep them off the foul line, I think that gives you a really good chance um, you know, to, to hang with them. And, you know, they, they played them earlier this year and they had, you know, they had a chance to win that game and they just, they couldn't pull it out. Um, now you get them in a neutral site and I, I, I think LSU has a shot in this one. Yeah. Then, like yeah. you said, you, you go to the Vanderbilt game, you might have a chance against those guys. You've, you've seen them a couple times now. So um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, yeah. I, I think, you know, you can't really expect much from this team, but if they get hot at the right time, anybody can win a couple of games in tournament. Just go down with a fight. That's all. Yeah. Right? Go sure. down swinging, man. Plain and simple. Uh, so they had a double-digit lead, and they they lost that one. The LSU women had a 17-point lead, and I don't know what happened coming out of half. It looked like a completely different team, and once that momentum shifted, Tennessee was tougher more physical, more aggressive, uh, and then they put it to LSU. That surprised me a lot, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, they got LSU kind of on their toes there in the second half. I think LSU, for a lot of that you know, second half, was playing not to lose the lead, uh, and that kind of forces you to be maybe a little conservative, maybe a little sloppy. Um, you certainly saw it with some of the turnovers they had yeah, there in the second half. Um so yeah, it was you know it was disappointing. I think you really would have liked to see that South Carolina rematch uh, if you were LSU, just to kind of get some more data on them. Uh, if you were to somehow you know make it far enough to face them again in the NCAA tournament, but um, you know you, you lose to a, a pretty good Tennessee team. You know I'm not going to call them you know a great team no. or anything. They're they're right. pretty good. Um, you know your two losses are to Tennessee and to South Carolina. Those are two tournament teams. Um, I, I still think LSU has a case for the two seed. I mean, they dropped to number nine in the AP poll, which just by the math would put it's them ridiculous. in a three seed kind of yeah. thing. But uh, I, I think two seed is a good good mark for them, and it's proven from last year. You were three seed last year. You're two seed this year with only a couple losses. Um, I think it's a good position for them to be in. Yeah, um, I don't, just – I think they have a lot of question marks now. I, I think they got to do a little bit of soul searching and um, they're going to have to step up their game significantly now, but they'll host two games um, yeah. during the St. Patrick's day weekend type of a deal. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. So um, basketball, two losses. Okay. You gather anything from baseball other than the fact that it's like ducks in a water and they can't fly and you got open target season and Butler and central Connecticut state aren't good, but you're putting up huge numbers. You still got to pitch it and catch it. Right. And, yeah. and they're doing that and they're, they're bombing the ball out of the park. So what do you take so far with one game still to play this evening? Yeah, I mean, uh, a really impressive uh, offensive slate from LSU. I think they finally are starting to get the bats going at the right time. Um, you know, the, you you, you want to be able to to hit on these teams right now. You know, Central Connecticut State and Butler, you want to be able to put up those double-digit runs and prove that you can, you know, find a, a, a you know, a little bit momentum with some confidence with the, at the plate. I think LSU certainly this year came in with, 
you know, expectations of being kind of the the ones that can could, you know, belt 30 home runs every weekend, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, it just takes time. And they've been pretty patient at the plate. They, their approach has been really good. Um, and I think you're finally starting to see some of that pay off. They're taking advantage of other teams' mistakes, which is really important for this team really all season. Jay Johnson says that, you know, that in terms of walks and free bases that they're giving, they're, they're the best team in the country so far. And it's not even close at making those opponents pay for those mistakes. So that's a really Really positive development. Brayden Jobar, Joe Jobar, Brayden Bear started the last three games at third base. Um, yeah. you, he's good defensively, mm-hmm. and that, that lets you keep uh, Tommy White in the lineup as a DH, so you get some power there. So, is that you think that's the way this thing is trending? Yeah, I mean, I think for the short term, sure. Uh, you got Trey Morgan out in left field, so um, you know, I think. Once White is able to throw, they're going to immediately throw him back at third base. That was okay. kind of a under-the-table conversation they had, and that, that was agreed upon when he came here that he would get a chance to play uh, in the infield and prove that he could do that. And okay. um, so we're going to see that when it, when he's back. Um, but Joe Bear has been really solid defensively, to your point. He dropped a lot of weight in the offseason. He's a little quicker, a little faster uh, to make those defensive plays. Trey Morgan's looked pretty good out in left field the last couple of games. Um, But my question right now is what happens with first base because Jared Jones, the freshman, has kind of hit a little bit of a wall. He struck out a bunch of times in the last couple of games. And uh, Cade Beloso, who's been a veteran uh, guy there, he's a fan favorite for the last three or four years, he he had two uh, pinch hit opportunities and he went home run home run in back to back days. So you could tell he was just chomping at the bit to get into the lineup a little bit. Wouldn't be surprised if LSU throws a spot start to him uh, at first base in the next couple of games. So um, you know I think that's probably where you're going to see a little bit more movement is at first if if anything. Trey Morgan, really good fielder at first, right? Um, yeah, he, you said. Just a minute ago, he looked good out there in in, in the outfield. I mean that that's got to add with his versatility when the, the the Major League Baseball scouts are looking at him. Where's he best suited? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, I, he, it's it's hard for me looking at it from a college eye view that you know what what he does at first base is really spectacular. I mean, he makes uh, everybody in the infield's job easier at first because um, of the outs he he makes and, and saves you know errors from other guys, right? Um, and you can tell it's a little bit of it was a little bit of an adjustment for him uh, in terms of you know being able to see the ball in the outfield, make the play, make the right read. Um, that that's all stuff that takes time to learn as a, as an outfielder, and Maybe. you can tell it took him a couple games. He seems to be getting the hang of it a little bit. I'm not sure if that means it's his long-term future. It very well could be. You know, he could get into the pros and they say, all right, go play left field, go play right field. Um, but, you know, I think he, you know, he's he's very well suited for the outfield. He's very quick. He's very fast. And when he gets that opportunity uh, to maybe be an everyday kind of outfielder, you'll really see those playmaking uh, abilities jump out. But at LSU, he's best suited at first base. Does that mean there's a hole out there in the outfield that hasn't been resolved yet? Well, no, I think I think probably what you'd look at is when White gets back, he'd move 
Trey back to first, right. and then you could put Joe Bear back in the outfield where he played most of the start of the season. So, you know, okay. you don't really lose anything. I think right now they're just shuffling pieces around because of that Tommy White injury. But um, when when everybody's healthy, I think you, you'll see a lot of Joe Bear in the outfield because he has made improvements in his athleticism to be able to play out there. Um, and then you'll have, you know, Morgan back at first and, and Tommy White at third. Do you feel like every position's now – called for infield second short and all that uh, is, is i think is, so i think gavin dugas has a pretty good stranglehold on second base right now jordan thompson's been very good at shortstop okay. um yeah i would say probably the one that they're still kind of looking for is that third outfield spot you know they've had paxton cling out there uh the the red hot trash true freshman who's played really well the last couple games uh, Josh Pearson's been out there. He's a he's a guy that's been around now a couple of years. And then Joe Bear is a guy that I think they're going to really recycle a lot in the outfield, whether it's in right or in left field. Um, but that that's pretty much the the one spot where I think that's still pretty much up for grabs when everybody's healthy. Catching. Brady Neal is going to be the catcher. He's been the catcher pretty much every game uh, so far. Okay. Really like what they really like what they you know what he's done so far in terms of his defensive abilities a lot. Yeah further along than I thought that he probably would be as a true freshman, but he's, he's a really good catcher and he's going to play a lot of games. And one final one. Uh, well, um, we know Skeens is going to be the Friday night guy. Mm-hmm. Has, has the Saturday Sunday been determined yet? I know Thatcher Hurt's supposed to start tonight against Butler. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine that Saturday Sunday still up for grabs maybe. Yeah, I, definitely on Saturday. So Saturday they threw Ty Floyd instead of Riley Cooper, the lefty. He 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 got the start on Saturday. Chase Shores, the freshman, got the start on Sunday. So Skeens on Friday and Shores on Sunday has been a very consistent theme uh, through the first three weeks of the season. Saturday is still, I think, very much up in the air. Uh, whether it's Ty Floyd, whether it's Riley Cooper, whether Thatcher Hurd uh, can really make a statement in these next couple of starts. Uh, he played really well against Texas. Um, you know, if he has another really good game today, maybe you think about throwing him into the weekend rotation. Um, so, yeah, I, I think everything's on the table right now. But certainly what you got with Skeens, uh, he's going to he's going to make he's going to have you win a lot of games and, and put you in really good positions heading into the weekend. He looks like he's the best picture LSU's had on a Friday in, in, in several years. Yeah. I mean, look, he's right up there with the Langs of the world, Ronaldo, Ben McDonald way back in the day. Um, yeah, he's he's a special player. I and mean, he he strikes out a lot of guys. He's got a fastball, slider, changeup uh combination that's really, really deadly when it's on fire. Got a bunch of home games coming up. You got um, Butler tonight, Lamar Wednesday, and then you got Friday through Sunday against Samford, uh, mm-hmm. Tuesday the 14th versus UNO. Then they go on the road to take on the Aggies. I don't know how good the Aggies are this year, and I have no idea, but we're fixing to find out. Um, you got, you got a couple weeks left, right, before you have to solidify who's going to be there. And uh, so it's a it's an open call, right? Who He who performs best will play. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, that, that baseball is doing a really you know great job right now in terms of trying out a number of different guys in a number of different positions. And uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch baseball. We got fall camp or spring camp starting up with LSU football yeah. on Thursday. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we'll get a first chance to talk with Coach Kelly on Thursday, but that'll be a lot of fun as well. Coach Kelly's all for the Alabama, Ole Miss, Texas, and mm-hmm. nine game schedule. He said, That's why I came here. I want to play. The-. He, he was so honest. He said, No offense, but all those other teams that we have to play, they don't excite me. Let's get yeah. the conference game. I like that. 
Yeah, I do too. I mean, it's a guy that knows that he can win, I think, at this level. And they they kind of proved it last year in stretches that they can be a really good program moving forward. Um, and, yeah, I, I I always really liked the idea of Alabama, Ole Miss, A&M. I always had a trouble, you know, struggle getting rid of Florida just because I think Florida has been the most consistent, you know, rival over the last 10, 15 years in terms yeah. of how close those games are. Um, but the way A&M's played in recent years, uh, I think that's going to be a true rival for LSU kind of moving forward here. And I like that three-game schedule as the permanent guys. You can tell the fan in me, I'm mm-hmm. for a 10-game SEC schedule, one cupcake, one good a power five out of conference. And let's play. The playoffs are expanding. It's not like you, you lose one game and you're out of it now. Right. So let's bring on the better games. And I, I don't want to see – no offense. I don't want to see uh, whoever. I, I don't want to see them. I you don't see like them. the New Mexico State game no, or the Utah State? I hate that. I hate or... that. Okay. I'm, all for, I'm all for one game against an in-state opponent. Sure. Help them out monetarily. And then give me give me a Florida State. Give me yep. a, a Clemson. Give me a USC. That's what I want. That's what the yeah. fans, and I'm telling you, that's what the players want. They do. Yeah, and it's a good opportunity to be, you know, just get on TV a lot. And, you know, I know a lot of these players really like the idea of, of, of playing in this conference for a reason. They they That's the reason they come to a school like LSU right. is to play that's those right. other schools. So just, just make me the commissioner for one week. Go for it. I'll get rid uh, of all yeah, these no. things. I'll get you the best seat in the uh, in the press box. How about that? Oh, all right. Well, we'll we'll have to talk with Bonnet about that, but okay. <laughs> oh, I'm right. tight I'll with that. <laughs> all right. Um, we'll see what happens on the basketball front. I have nothing to say about baseball. They're supposed to win. They win. And when you score that many, oh, my God. Did they do any 10-run rules in these, or they just play nine so they had So, yeah, they had 10-run rules in each of the previous two games. They outscored Central Connecticut State 39-4 to four, uh, in those two games on Saturday and Sunday, and those only went seven innings. So. Thank goodness, right? Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't. It was it was still a nearly three hour game in only uh, seven innings because of how much they were scoring. How many runs they scored? Yeah, Whatever. crazy. Glenn West, go to four seven sports. You're the best. I cannot thank you enough, man. Enjoy your week. All right, you too. Thanks, Jordan. Take care. Um, when we return, we'll wrap up our number one. Set the stage for our lineup for our number two. After this, this is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We here at the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Hope you love our shenanigans on and off the air. We want to help, uh, want you to help us. So go and subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana and turn that bell on so you can get notifications when we post our new content and game recaps. Help us get to a thousand followers and see more of our fun behind the scenes and after work mischief. Who's doing all that? Who's doing that in the mischief at The Game Louisiana on YouTube? Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And better than ever. Hour two of two, 
well, no, not 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 our two yet. Closing up our number one. Um, lots in store for you in our number two. Uh, we'll go over our latest bracket. Uh, who's going to be the number one seed overall? Alabama gets beat. Kansas gets beat. Houston, eh, maybe not the toughest schedule out there, but um, we'll sign. We'll find out with Shelby Mass from Shelby's Bracket, W-A-G, our bracketologist, as March Madness is in full effect. Uh, the, um, the Cajuns, of course, trying to get into the NCAA tournament to do so. They have to beat South Alabama tonight for the third time this season. Uh, that's a 6 o'clock tip in Pensacola. So that, that'll be exciting. Uh, that'll be exciting to see. Um, the big news of the day, uh, Derek Carr signing with the New Orleans Saints. So many people thought he was waiting and waiting on the New York Jets to offer. Well, the Jets never really did. He met with the Carolina Panthers, but the Saints showed him the most love. And I guess his relationship with Dennis Allen was the uh, convincing part, that and the fact that he's got uh, $60 million when he signs on the dotted line guaranteed 100 million overall guaranteed a four-year deal at 150 million he's going to be about the eighth highest paid quarterback in football which i think is kind of fair kind of fair um i don't think he's a great quarterback i think he's certainly a good quarterback certainly the best quarterback since drew Brees that the saints have had now can they get him the weapons? Can they can they finagle some things? They got to strike it. We're, they got to strike it really well uh, in the upcoming NFL draft. They got to get some impactful players. There's no question about that. We'll talk with Al Salas about that, and then Blake Rafino will join us um, from the Are You Serious podcast, and we'll talk all things uh, LSU sports. But it's a great time of the year with um, March Madness right around the corner. Uh, these conference tournament games, so much fun. So much fun. And of course, the Pelicans trying to trying to keep their hopes alive um, because they've got uh, they've got the Sacramento Kings tonight. And that's not an easy task by any stretch of the imagination. And if you look at the standings as we speak of here and now today in the Western Conference, the Pels have moved up a spot to ninth. They're a half a game ahead of the Utah Jazz and a half a game ahead of the hard-charging L.A. Lakers. Sacramento still the number three seed at 37 up and 26 down. Our number one's in the books. Our number two straight ahead after the top of the hour sports update this is the jordy helpberg show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles you're clocked out we're locked in you're listening to crunch time with Miguez and mesh here on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station it's hour number two of crunch time here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh coming to you live from the FCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company specializing in multifamily construction. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. As a reminder, if you want to win a pair of tickets to Michael's Men's Club's Aerial Angels event on Wednesday night, all you got to do is call the game hotline. No catch, no gimmicks. 
Don't even have to answer a trivia question. Just dial the number, enter some information, and you got two tickets to the show uh, this Wednesday night at Michael's. Top story today, Derek Carr signing a four-year deal with the New Orleans Saints to become the franchise's new quarterback for the next couple of seasons. Joining us on the game hotline to recap that news and preview what's to come for the Saints is our guy from Canal Street Chronicles, Mr. Brendan Ertle. Brendan, we don't get to talk to you much this time of the year, but Derek Carr is a New Orleans Saint. How does that sound? Sounds amazing. Uh, couldn't have come at a better time, week before free agency. Um, I love the deal overall. Um, breaking news as well, the, the Seahawks just locked up Geno Smith three years. 105, so that puts him at 35 annually. You ask me um, who I'm taking, Derek Carr. You know, says I'm taking Derek Carr, and um, you know that that number for Derek Carr is around 37 and a half annually. Uh, of course, that won't be the actual cap hit, but um, solid, solid deal for for both parties involved. So four years, 150 million, 60 million is going to be due at signing. 28 and a half of it is a signing bonus. Jane, uh, Brendan, my question here is: 150 million over four years, 37 and a half million a year, and, I, and you know we just talked about it. That's not going to be the true number. How is his fully guaranteed for 2023? Only a mil and a half. Here, here's the the real way to look at this contract, and you know Mickey and Kai, they're always getting creative, and. It's, we're always seeing some, something new, and the Michael Thomas contract was something new, and we'll probably talk about that in a bit. But the way to really look at this deal is it's a two-year deal. And after that, it's like a team option in the next year and then team option after that. So you have two team year options where let's say these next two years are just horrible. It's like Russell Wilson. You can move on without wrecking your franchise like the Devin Broncos would have to do if they moved on. So – if, if it works out for Carr and, and the Saints and, and Carr do great together, um, you continue with that deal. You don't do anything. And, you know, the, the 40 to 50 million cap charge you'll probably have later down the road might seem reasonable. And, you know, the way these quarterbacks are getting paid, uh, it keeps going, getting, uh, going up and up and up. And I just went back and looked at, uh, Drew Brees' old contracts and you look at those and it's like, wow, that is, that is really a small, small deal. And, it's just going to keep growing. So four years from now, that might seem like a great deal for them. So um, it's, it's got some job security as well for Carr. And I, I know that they believe that he could be the guy for four years and however much longer he wants to play. So um, if it works out, amazing. If, if, if it doesn't, they have a way to a, a small avenue to get out. How does Derek Carr instantly change this offense? Because, you know, you look at Pete Carmichael as the offensive coordinator and you thought last year – Oh man, you know Pete was a terrible offensive coordinator, and that still may be true. But the mm-hmm. the thing is, is he wasn't working with a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Now he's got a competent quarterback. <laughs> so where does this offense go with Derek Carr under center? The first thing that I tweeted out when we signed Carr was there is now again accountability on that offense in the locker room where I felt like there was a little period where there wasn't. You know, you have Sean, you have Drew, and just kind of out of a mutually respect that you 
you want him to know that you're doing the right thing. You want to always be the, doing the right thing, whether he's in the room or not. You just want to, you want to make a guy like Drew or Sean. You want to make him proud. Derek's one of those guys where you know, uh, you go back and watch some of his interviews last year. You know, he's emotional in, in the press conferences. You know, some people say things about how men shouldn't cry, but it just means so much to him. And that locker room last year with the Raiders. Uh, it felt like he was kind of held back. And uh, McDaniels was kind of like, no, I don't want you doing that. I don't want you doing this. I don't want you doing that. And it really sounded like, from everything that we've gathered, that Carr kind of had this really strong love for P. Carmichael and his respect where he's like, I trust you to get under center, and whatever you see, I trust. And it felt like with the Raiders these past couple of years, he didn't really have that. Um, it hasn't really had that since Gruden. And obviously he goes back to um, Dennis Allen, a defensive coach, and you got to give D.A. his flowers because um, this is the first time, you know, in, in him being an actual coach that he will get his staff, he'll get his quarterback. Uh, last year it felt like he didn't really have his staff. He just kind of had his Sean Payton's leftover staff. This is his staff. This is his quarterback. He needs to make it work now. It's a 10-win season plus it's playoffs or, or it's a bust. So I think you got the right guy in the building. Um, he's going to give you big numbers. He's, he's great with the football. Um, we'll see what happens to Michael Thomas, but this is great for likes of Chris Olave, uh, Shahid, Juwan Johnson. He's, he, he, will, he will find those guys. He will get them better. And whenever Kamara is able to come back, um, he does a great job finding the running backs as well. So, I mean, this offense, if, if you don't believe it, just wait for week one. You will – see very quickly that Derek Carr is, you know, a top 15, top 12 quarterback in the National Football League. Now you mentioned Mike Thomas, and as much as on Twitter as you are, I would assume you saw he gave a little bit of love to some post about Carr signing with the Saints. Do you think at mm-hmm. this point, like if, what does your gut say that, is he going to return or do you think like he's still wanting to leave? So it, it, it's it's tough because I still have a lot of hoops to jump through. Last night, I would have said he's probably gone. Um, with the with the report that maybe Carr was leaning towards the Jets, that felt like smoke from somewhere. Um, if the Saints were to miss out on that quarterback, it felt like you know maybe bringing this guy back doesn't make sense. Let's not force you know paying all this cash, this the cap hit. Let's just move on. You know, you get Carr back, and you know if you're not on Twitter as much as I am, which is probably no one. Uh, Michael Thomas is retweeting everything about Derek Carr. And I might add that he retweeted the Derek Carr post. And um, I think he tweeted something seconds later, like, thank you, Jesus, or something like that with the praying hands. Um, you know, I know he's a God-loving man, but I don't I don't think necessarily he meant that he was praising Jesus in that moment, but he was praising Jesus that he got a quarterback. So I, I don't I don't really know what, what that tweet was about. It was kind of ironic that he tweeted it's seconds later. Uh, I know he's on vacation somewhere. It was his birthday just a couple of days ago. Um, but I think there's a legit shot. I think there's a better shot than not that they keep him at this moment than they don't. I think we all kind of prematurely jumped the gun saying that he was cut just because what the Saints did with the contracts. I mean, Kai Harley's done an amazing job. This is something we haven't really seen. They kind of cut him on paper, but it was more like, they made him a free agent on paper, and they gave themselves time to figure out a new deal. So I would say at this moment he's a free agent. You know, that contract's not going to exist. They can rework it. 
uh, figure something out that works for both sides, make it maybe incentive-based. But, you know, with all these moves the Saints have made, I, I don't think Michael Thomas is, I think, his best bet staying here, honestly. Chatting with Brendan Ertle from Canal Street Chronicles. So let, let's start there. Let's say Derek Carr's the quarterback, Michael Thomas resigns. You still need running backs. You still you can always use depth in the trenches. You could probably use some back safety help. Mm-hmm. What direction, if you're you know Dennis Allen or Mickey Loomis in that conversation, what direction do you go with pick twenty nine? You can go wherever you want, Matt. It getting this quarterback position checks off. It feels like more boxes than it probably should. You feel so much more confident about your roster. You maybe uh, keep some people that you probably wouldn't have. Um, I always bring up Andrews Pete. Maybe he stays now. Um, but at this moment, I would say um, it kind of depends what they do in free agency, and it kind of depends on who falls. But I spent you know, a good amount of that NFL combine looking at one position group, and that was the running back. And there were two guys that really stood out on every drill, on every rep, and that's B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs. I think both of those guys, um, I think that Robinson could have a good shot going probably top 15. But, you know, if he slides into the 20s, the 20, the late 20s, go up and get him. That's your game changer right there. That's your Josh Jacobs of the Raiders offense with, with Carr. You kind of need that. I mean, they don't really have a running back on the roster. Um, Kamara's situation will be ongoing. He'll miss some training camp. He'll probably be suspended. We can't predict how many games, so the Saints just need to repair as if they don't have a running back. So, um, so I'm I'm gonna stop you right there because I agree with you wholeheartedly on on the B. John Robinson thing. Mm-hmm. If say like you just mentioned, early twenties, twenty one, twenty two, realistically, what would the Saints have to give up to jump those seven spots? See, I don't think it would cost a ton. I'm trying to remember last time that they've jumped that. Um, that few of picks. Uh, maybe it would have been Brandon Cooks, but it jumped just a little bit. But and maybe a day two pick. Um, I have to look at the draft value chart, but it would definitely be something I would explore. Um, you know, they jumped a little bit to get a Lave, that cost a, a two and a three, I believe. Um, but that's something that you would definitely explore. Um, yeah, I, I would say I'd probably trade a three for that to move up a little bit. But if, you know, Robinson and Gibbs are on the board, might as well just wait. Um, And if it gets close, you can jump a team if you want, if you feel like you really need to. But I feel like Gibbs is is a carbon copy of Alvin Kamara, which is really weird. And um, just go watch his tape, and he really plays like Kamara. He has balance like Kamara. Um, I I think you could maybe get one of those uh, premier guys at 40. Um, but Tajay Spears as well. I mean, yep. a lot of people gush over him, and I do. I do as well. So that might might be might be a spot. Maybe you, you look elsewhere. As we start to wrap up with Brendan Ertle, so now Derek Carr. Next question becomes: Where does Michael Thomas? What happens with Michael Thomas? And then after that, you know, we, we talked about the draft. You're going to have to pay some guys. Uh, Jawan Johnson's due for for a payday soon. A uh, hand, handful of others, Caden Ellis. Where do you think the, the Saints have the highest priority in that department? See, that's tough. I, I think Juwan Johnson's on the top of that list, but he 
he was a undrafted free agent, so I think you have um, a ton of leverage in, in contract negotiations with with him. Uh, I think you'd like to lock him up for for a few years, and he's been one of the good guys on the roster and done nothing but improve. Um, tight end's a, a little position that I could see them maybe drafting um, later in, in the draft uh, for that for that depth, but. Um, with with them restructuring Demario, uh, the emergence of Pete, I don't. Caden Ellis will be the next guy, like you said, and he is gonna. If he's not gonna be a starter here, he's gonna be a starter somewhere else because he really showed us a lot um, when he stepped in for Demario, and I, he was on someone's show. I don't remember whose show it was, but he said something like they talked um, kind of about his role with the team. And he kind of made it sound like maybe uh, he appreciates his role as like kind of a backup linebacker, but he kind of threw in the idea of um, I'm kind of I kind of have value as like a third down pass rusher as well. So maybe they have this vision for him as a backup linebacker slash situational pass rusher slash just all around great player. Um, so maybe they do bring him back and kind of maybe he's not you know running out of the tunnel as a starter, but he's playing the starter snaps. So. I think if if they can keep Caden, that that'd be amazing. And um, you know, Pete had his injury issues, and Demario's a stub. He's getting old, so um, I would love to bring Caden back. But his value is going to be really interesting to see because I could see him, you know, signing a three to four million dollar deal. But if a team is free, he's like, yeah, we want you to be a starter. We'll give you eight nine. Can't compete with that. There's only one correct answer to this final question, Brendan. Do the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns win a Sun Belt Conference Championship tonight? Absolutely, man. It's just, it's too good of a day. It's sunny where I am. You know, it's never sunny in Oregon. I don't know what the weather is like where you guys are, but, you know, I'm rooting for y'all and um, wish you guys the best. Let's go. Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles joining us here on Crunch Time. Brendan, appreciate you as always. And uh, the draft's coming up. Let's do it again soon. Yes, sir. And there he goes, Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. We'll take a timeout. When we return, we'll talk Cajuns and Tigers baseball right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. As a reminder, if you want to take your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're low on cash, not to worry. Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help. Join our rewards club to score some excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cyber's Bayou Casino Resort, $50 to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville, a $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cyber's Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so sign up today. Matt Deggs and the Louisiana Raging Cajuns dropped two out of three at home to now top 25 ranked Campbell. Uh, the win coming yesterday in 14-7 to fashion. Eight runs in the first inning, including a Max Marshak grand slam. Campbell responded with five runs in the sixth, and things got a little dicey. It was 10-7 at that point, but the Cajuns immediately responded with three more runs to put the game away. 
And Matt Deggs talked about how big it was for his team to take the momentum back so quickly in that moment. It's everything. You know, we literally, Matt, we practice that. You know, so we'll come out in under squads where I'll put an A team down 5 nothing, And and we always talk about, you know, if, if you punch, you got to start. If you get punched, you got you to start throwing some haymakers, and you've got to answer, and, and you've got to respond. Because you, it, it, college baseball, you don't want you hate to say this, but it's so momentum related. And uh, big leagues, not so much because it's every day. But this is momentum related, and for us to pull the momentum back, uh, I was proud to see us do that. He also talked about his team in in that same sentiment, giving up those five runs in the sixth. His team didn't lose their composure and was able to hold on to get the win. And if you've had a week like we had, your mind will start playing tricks on you. And, uh, you know, that OCD will start creeping in and that, that thought will go on loop of, well, you know, what's going to happen next. And so I called him up and I just reminded him that, hey, we're winning. And, let's you know, we've been in these spots and we're comfortable in these type games. And uh, they answered and we scored, uh, what did we answer with three that inning? And uh, because, look, that game can get away from you real quick like against those guys. Carson Rockefort had a big day in center field. There was a there was an inning where he recorded both the second and third outs with web gems. One of them featured as high as number five on Sports Center's top ten this morning. Matt Dex talked about the performance from his center fielder. Oh man, he looked like Jim Edmonds. That's who I comp him to all the time. And Google it if you haven't seen it, the catch that Jim Edmonds makes over his shoulder and it. He just moves the same, and, and he catches the ball easy like Jim Edmonds. And uh, as Rock goes, we go a lot of times. And uh, it's good to see him have a great game today. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns will return to MLT Moore Field at Russo Park Wednesday night to take on McNeese in a midweek contest before opening a three-game series at home this weekend against High Point University. LSU baseball, well, doing what LSU baseball does. They demolished Butler and Central Connecticut State over the weekend. In the three games that they played Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, they're going to play Butler one more time today. James, in the three games that they played this weekend, LSU outscored their two opponents because they played Central Connecticut State twice. They outscored your two opponents 51-6. to Yeah, they run-ruled them twice. 26-4 and then 13-0. There comes a point not even as a player, as a coach, where I got to step out of the dugout and go, look, I'm done. It, it, for the people on the simulcast, I'm waving a white piece of paper to imitate a white flag. Yeah, you got like, that. Like, <laughs> you, let, let's, I, I'm, I'm good. 15 to four in the fifth inning. I'm, we're, we're good. We don't need to do anymore. We're good. Holy moly, 26 to four. And then LSU said, hmm. That didn't feel quite good enough. Let's beat you 13 to nothing in seven innings. Oh, man. And they're going to play Butler tonight. They played Butler on Friday and beat them 12-2. to Paul Skeen's getting his second SEC Pitcher of the Week award for his performance on Friday. He's now up to 3-0 and on the season. He's only given up six hits. He's only allowed one run. He has struck out 36 and has an ERA of 0.5. Yes, that's right. 0.50 is his ERA through three starts. That is disgusting. 
absolute filth. You dirty, dirty man. <laughs> it's it's incredible. And here's the thing. The guy can hit, too. Mm-hmm. He's a two-way player. We haven't seen him hit yet. Well, we haven't. We didn't need to. Because according to Jay Johnson, there's just no point. Right now, you don't need him. Right now, you're struggling to put guys in the batting order at LSU because there's so much talent and there's just not enough spaces. You're, you're seeing with the Cajuns that they're starting to run into that problem. Luke Juhasz, John Taylor, Lee Amade, they all had great weekends. You're going to run out of places to put people before long. So if you're the Cajuns and if you're the Tigers, you're in a great spot right now. I know Cajun fans are like, oh, you know, you dropped two out of three. Look, Campbell's a good team. They're a top 25 team. The arm you face Friday night is going to be a top 20 pick in the MLB draft. Like that's, that's just it is what it is. Bounce back. This week's going to be big. See how you respond because you got McNeese, three games with high point, and then you go to Biloxi to play Mississippi State. So how you before you open conference. So how you respond to those games is going to be huge for Matt Deggs and company. We're going to take a timeout here because we've got the game royalty waiting in Raymond Parsh third. He'll join us from Pensacola to preview the Cajuns and the Jags right here on Crunch Time. You're listening to the game. It's 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. We're back right after this. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The Game Hotline is 337-706-0111. The Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns. We talked earlier in today's show with the voice of the Jags, JT Crabtree. Now we're going to get the home perspective as the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns prepare for the title game tonight against South Alabama. Live from Pensacola is our very own Mr. Raymond Parsh the third better known as RP3. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Oh, brother, how are you? You must be feeling good today. Your team got to hit quarterback for the next 5 years. Your college team is playing for a chance to get to the NCAA tournament. I mean, does this Monday get any better for the man known as Matt Miguel? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Birds birds are chirping. There's ladies in the street singing. Like it is just nothing can tear me down tonight uh, other than a Caden's loss. But we're not, not going to talk there about that. We're going to manifest a victory. So manifest a victory. I love it. I got I got a little look. Uh, them being tested last night against Texas State, who we know the Bobcats, what they like to do. They like to muddy it up, right? They like to make you play their game. They get physical. They rebound the ball really well. They attack the rim. They got a guy that can shoot threes. And they put a scare in the Cajuns, right? And But I think for the Cajuns to be tested that way, to have to answer the bell after having a double-digit lead evaporate on them and come up big, 
Jordan Brown with that little kiss off the glass that he had, making his free throws. Themis Folks, who, let's be honest, has, has played not his best basketball in the second half of conference play. He had a rough go of it last night with a couple of turnovers, and then he had a couple of missed free throws, but he made them when it counted late. For them to be able to gut out a win, grind out a victory against one of the hottest teams in the tournament, I think bodes well for them heading into tonight's South Alabama game, Matt. You know, looking at last night's game a, a little deeper, you talked about them getting tested, and I, and I agree that's going to pay dividends for them tonight in the title game. Looking at the matchup with South Alabama, this is going to be the third time that you play them. You've won both previous matchups, but when I talked to JT Crabtree earlier, he put it perfectly, right? He said, this South Alabama team is even different than the one the Cajuns saw just a week ago. Well, to a certain degree. I mean, there are certain things that the South Alabama team has done all season. And one of the things that stands out to me about this team is they love to jack up threes. They love. They're making almost eight threes a game for the season. And, you know, they've won eight of their last nine, right, the one loss being, of course, to the Cajuns a week ago on Friday. But when you look at those games, Matt, eight three-pointers made, eight three-pointers made, nine, 10, 13, 13, eight. So in seven of those eight wins, they've made at least eight of their three-point attempts. That's going to be key, guarding the perimeter, they have five players that have at least 32 made three-pointers on the season. Of course, Owen White is the guy that you have to worry the most about. He's the volume three-point shooter for them. But this is a team that's not as physical as Texas State. They're going to try to beat you in a different way. The big fella, Kevin Samuel, he's not that physical of a player, right? He's seven foot tall, the Florida Gulf Coast transfer, but he's not that physical of a player. And Jordan Brown, I like that matchup, and I like Jordan Brown and Terrence Lewis the second to win that matchup. But it's going to come down to a couple of things. Can they slow down South Alabama's three-point shooting? In the loss a week ago Friday, the Jaguars were only 4 of 13 from three-point range. So not only did they not give up a bunch of threes, they didn't even allow South Alabama to even shoot three-pointers. That's going to be key. And the other key, the reason why Texas State got into the game last night, got back into the game, it's because the Cajuns committed all those turnovers. They had 13 turnovers in the game. That led to 20 points for Texas State. They can't play sloppy like that tonight when they take on a very hot Jaguars team that's already taken out the number one seed and the number four seed in the conference tournament. you got to eliminate the turnovers, and a lot of them that I noticed were, you know, I can remember three or four instances last night where Themis Folks was just trying to force the ball into Jordan Brown when it really wasn't there and Texas State was able to to kind of corral it and take advantage of the basketball. But, you know, staying on that point to an extent, Themis, you talked about Themis Folks not having his greatest run here in Pensacola. Greg Williams Jr. has been hit or miss, kind of streaky. Kentrell Garnett, kind of the same thing. Jalen Dalcourt has shown up in flashes. But the only consistent for the Cajuns has been Jordan Brown and then to an extent Terrace Lewis. Who steps up tonight when everything is on the line, a spot in the dance for only the second time under Bob Marlin? Who steps up tonight for the Cajuns? It comes down to two guys for me. I mean, you mentioned Greg Williams playing big. You know, offensively, he's been a little hit and miss, so to speak. But that being said, you know, last night he came up big. He had three blocks in, in last night's game to win over Texas State. You know, 
second. He does all the basketball things right. He's what we call a basketball player, okay? Jordan Brown, he's going to need to step up and play his game. He's going to have to get his double-double, right? He's the preseason player of the year. He should have been the player of the year. We know that. But Terrence Lewis II, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the strongest guy. He's not the quickest guy. But you know what he does, Matt? He's your veteran leader. He does all the small things right. When you need a key rebound, he grabs it. When you need a key pass, he does it. When you need a stop on defense, he does it. Last night in the game when they had a couple of turnovers from some of the guards, Terrence was on the bench getting a breather. He's the one that stepped up and looked at them and told them, guys, calm down. Just calm down. He's the leader on and off the court of this team. He has been the most consistent and best player they've had at this tournament. If they want to win tonight, Everyone's going to be focused on Brown, and rightfully so. And he may even be the game MVP when it's all said and done, Matt. But the guy that's going to be key for them, for me, is a guy that's been playing the best basketball. He needed some stitches last night after the game. He's going to be good to go to play tonight. That's Terrence Lewis the second. Chatting with the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parsha the third, live from Pensacola, getting set for Louisiana and South Alabama tonight in the Sunbelt Conference Championship game. You brought up Terrence Lewis, and I agree with you. He's been playing the best basketball outside of Jordan Brown and inside the post matchup tonight. I'm a fan of of Louisiana's chances there. The key is going to be guarding the perimeter, but also on the offensive side, the Cajuns are going to have to do a better job of knocking down three-pointers when the opportunities are presented to them. Because you, you've seen it recently, they've kind of struggled from, from downtown. Well, to your point, two, two things. Kentrell Garnett is going to be a key factor in tonight's game. He was phenomenal last night. It doesn't show up in the box score because he doesn't give you a lot of points, right? He can shoot a couple of three-pointers, but his defense, in particular on perimeter, taking away essentially Texas State's best perimeter player holding him to zero points in the first mm-hmm. half. Now he ended up with 12 when they did the rally, but he, you know, essentially took him out of the game. He'll be huge. You'll need him to make some threes. And, and yes, they're going to need to make some more three-pointers. And you're going to need Themis Folks and Garnett to make their shots. You're going to need Greg Williams to step up and make some shots or maybe Kobe Julian to come in off the bench and get you a couple of threes. But for me, it doesn't necessarily depend on the three ball, Matt, as more of in last night's game, it was just calm down, right? They they got a little too worked up. They got a little too loose with the basketball, and they committed way too many turnovers. Look, if the Cajuns go in tonight's game inside the Pensacola Bay Center, sit at 6 o'clock, they will win the game if they play their game. Get Jordan Brown involved. Get Terrence Lewis the second involved maybe make a couple three-pointers, defend the three-ball well, which is going to be key in tonight's game, and don't beat yourself. Don't beat yourself. And that comes with silly turnovers, getting too riled up, trying to throw the ball, trying to do behind-the-back passing or juking the guy out at midcourt like they did last night and it ends up into a turnover, and avoid empty possessions. At least get good shots off, Right? If they calm down and just take a breath and play their game, they should be able to beat South Alabama for the third time this season and push their ticket to the NCAA tournament. Talk about how big Bob Marlin's been in this run because, you know, you look at his history at Louisiana, 
His teams have generally struggled in the conference tournament, but they have just looked, you know, other than the, the turnovers last night, they have looked on point, locked in, and executing the game plan. Just talk about how big he and his coaching staff have been to put them in this conference championship game. It's a veteran staff, a veteran coach, right? I mean, you're talking about a man who went to the NCAA tournament years ago at Sam Houston State. So he understands what needs to be done. And I think the difference than maybe in years past is that this is a veteran team, Pat, right? I mean, this is a team that made a run last year to the tournament championship game. The year before, they made it to the semis. So a lot of those guys that have been on the team for the last couple of years, they have experience. And Bob's talked about, you know, the natural progression here, right? You get to the semis, then the next year you get to the championship game, but you fall short. Well, the natural progression is year three, you win the conference tournament and you punch your ticket to the NCAAs. They have a lot of veteran guys with a lot of playing experience and a lot of experience here in this tournament, in this building at the Pensacola Basin. Greg Williams, Jordan Brown, Kobe Julian, they have guys that have been there and done that. And Bob is a veteran coach who believes in his team. And that matters. He trusts his team. He challenges his team, yes, but he trusts his team. And he believes that this team can do what it, can do what it needs to do to be able to win that championship trophy and punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. And then to kind of piggyback off of that, you know, Coach Marlin has talked all season long about the togetherness of this team and how close it is and the camaraderie. Some people have even said that it's the the best team chemistry that he's had since he's been at Louisiana. How key is that going to be tonight when you're talking about everybody being on the same page to get to the NCAA tournament like you mentioned? You know, he mentioned it after the press conference last night, Matt, you know, about the team chemistry. And, look, he, he's talked a lot about this, and rightfully so. And I, I said this before. When they took the trip to Puerto Rico during the preseason, I always love those type of trips because I think it's a great team-building exercise. The, the actual competition that you're playing really doesn't matter. It maybe gives the coaching staff a look of what's working, what's not, who needs some work, who needs to develop, you know, maybe some little things like that. But it's mainly about team bonding, right? You're building that chemistry. This group's been together for a couple of years. They understand each other. They know when one's struggling that somebody else needs to step up. It sounds cliche. I get it. It does. And there's going to be some people that are listening right now that are just shaking their head. And they're like, well, that's all. That's standard sports cliche. Yeah. But cliches are based in fact for a reason, right? So this team understands each other. There are a lot. There's not a selfish guy on the roster, right? There's not a guy that needs the ball all the time. If someone else is heating up, they have no problems passing in the ball. They all pick each other up. They, they, there's a true kind of brotherhood here. You see it in the post-game press conferences. You've seen it at the practices. You've seen it during the games. There's no uh, back-talking. There's no fighting. They got each other's back. And when you have that type of chemistry, it instills a certain level of confidence. Not cockiness, but confidence inside the group where even when things are going wrong, you have the confidence that you can turn it on and that you can turn it around and that you will end up being victorious. That type of confidence only comes when you're close together as a group and you have experience together as a group. And the Cajuns have both of those things in space. 
Raymond Parsh the third host of RP3 and Company weekday mornings right here on the game. He joins us for Pen- from Pensacola as the Cajuns prepare to battle with the South Alabama Jaguars for the Sunbelt Conference Championship tonight. RP3, appreciate your time. As always, enjoy the game tonight, and uh, I'll see you when you get back to Cajun country. Appreciate the time, brother, and make sure to check out. Go to our YouTube channel, At The Game Louisiana. I'll have my latest edition of RP3's Three Things. It will be the three keys to victory tonight for the Raging Cajuns as they take on the South Alabama Jaguars. Make sure to go check that out. Once again, RP3's Three Things. You can find it on our YouTube channel, At The Game Louisiana. Brother, enjoy the game. I'll talk to you later. And there he goes, RP3. Like he mentioned, head to our YouTube channel, At The Game Louisiana, to catch all of our content, including RP3's Big Things, his game recap following the game. Hopefully we're discussing a trip to the NCAA tournament for Bob Marlin and the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. We'll take a timeout, wrap up today's show right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The monster trucks are coming back to the Cajun Dome with the toughest monster truck tour March 17th and 18th. And the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, has a VIP package to give away. And they're in the Game Awards Club at 1037thegame.com. And our VIP package includes four tickets, access to the pit area, a merchandise certificate, and lunch with the truck drivers that Friday. The toughest monster truck tour is coming back, and you can win a VIP package courtesy of the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time, wrapping up today's show. We've talked about a lot of things today. Derek Carr is now the Saints starting quarterback on a four-year, $150 million deal. The number's big, but the way it was structured works out well for the Saints. And now you've got the quarterback situation solved up for four years, maybe longer. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Uh, but definitely exciting news for the black and gold today. We also recapped and previewed the Pelicans, LSU, McNeese, you name it. We've talked about it. But now we, we've also spent a lot of time on this topic, but James and I are going to give our thoughts on this matchup now. Louisiana, South Alabama. I, I put it in an interview earlier. I said, look. There's a pretty girl standing inside the gym for the dance. She's got one extra ticket, and two guys are fighting for it. You blow a kiss as you shoot the three. Which one's getting in the door? Who's who's punching that ticket and going to the NCAA tournament? From the Cajuns' perspective, it would only be the second tournament appearance under Bob Marlin. For South Alabama... It would be their first appearance in the dance 
in a long, long time. Maybe ever. Uh, they've reached the NCAA tournament eight times, actually. So, But it has been a very long time since they have made the NCAA tournament, dating back to 2008. So, James, looking at, at the Cajuns, obviously Jordan Brown's going to do what Jordan Brown does. Who else steps up? Because Greg Williams has been kind of quiet in this tournament. Famous folks, I'm not going to put this bluntly, famous folks has been bad in this tournament. Who is going to step up for the Cajuns to compliment Jordan Brown and take down the Jacks? I could see it being Joe Charles. Karen Crow Joe, I like that. He, he's been great defensively. He's been great defensively. And he hit two big free throws last night. I, I could see that. Kentrell Garnett's another guy mm-hmm. that, that interests me to, for that role. Jalen Dalcourt as well. Dalcourt has played very well in this tournament. I, I wonder why he sat most of the second half last night because he's played so well when he's in. Uh, so, look, I, I've, I've said it all day long talking to different people about this matchup. If the Cajuns play their style of basketball, they're going to the dance. They're the better team. They are the better basketball team. If they play their game, they're going to the NCAA tournament. Point blank, plain and simple. Yeah, don't rush it like you did last night. You you rushed way too often in the second half last night. You got sloppy with the basketball. You you were rushing when you had six, eight-point leads and you just didn't need to rush. Use the shot clock to your advantage. You get 30 seconds. Take, use the shot clock to your advantage. Take a good shot and put points on the board. Because South Alabama is going to make the three. They've been shooting three ball lights out in Pensacola. I have a feeling they're going to do it again tonight. So you have to be able to combat that as well. Thanks to our guest today, the voice of the Jags, JT Crabtree. Brendan Ertle joining us at the top of hour number two to talk about Derek Carr. And then, of course, the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parsh the third for joining us to preview it from the Cajun side. Louisiana and South Alabama tipping off right here at 6 o'clock for the Sunbelt Conference Championship. We'll be back tomorrow to recap that game and much more. For James Mash, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and we'll be back tomorrow. This has been Crunch Time broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios right here on The Game.